Hey, what's going on, everybody? Like, thank you all for tuning in to the show. I got my crew with me, Darnell and Tyler. I'm Trey. We're coming your way with the 65th edition of the Don't Kill the Messengers podcast. First thing we're about to get into is some football, uh, particularly NCAA for right now. Uh, no Bama fans are happy. Uh, they just reached an extension with Nick Saban, uh, till 2024, I believe. He's going to be making 11 million a year. Uh, just what were your guys' thoughts on this when you heard about it? Uh, the guys going to go to the grave coaching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got to yeah. bury him, bury him in, uh, in the stadium. Yeah. He'll be under the 50 yard line. Yeah. <laughs> No, but I mean, like in reality, are any of you guys surprised that this happened? No. I mean, no. I mean, the guy is the best college coach we've seen in what the last thirty years. I mean, somebody back then you could probably make an argument for. But the guy's won national titles. He wins SEC titles, and whatever he's doing is working. So keep him where he's at. Pay him what he wants. The guy. Is winning more national championships than anybody out there, more conference championships than anybody out there, and he just has a very firm handle on the college game right now. So for him to get an extension, I'm not surprised. It is big dollar. Um, I can't say I'm surprised it's big dollar either, um, only because you know with coaches like Urban Meyer, uh, Jim Harbaugh. Dabo Sweeney, you just know their pay scales will go up as they continue to have success. So for them to just say, hey, you've had the success, let's give you the money, perfectly okay with it. Yeah, I mean, Saban's, he, he's proven his, he has a proven track record. Uh, he's in the, in the BCS era, he's always been in that top three. He's made every playoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, Really, what can you say about the guy? He's he's been in, he's made every playoff and has been in what three out of the two out of three national title games. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's enough uh, for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, well worth it. Yeah, I can uh, definitely agree. You know, uh, it's good to see him there. But I was a little bit surprised, man. Just like. My whole kind of thought of it was, you know, just what else does, does this guy want to do? You know, he's arguably the most successful coach of all time in the NCAA. It's kind of like, you know, you still want to continue to go at it, man. But with that contract and the money, you know, hey, you might as well just give it a uh, shot and everything. He's still doing his best out there, getting his guys ready. They were very close to winning the championship last year. So just to thought of him just losing that one. I know there was news of him talking about how he's still holding on to that loss, and that would be a loss that he'll never forget. So mm-hmm. that's probably just more motivation for him to just go out there and just dominate some more down the road. But it's going to be good for all the Bama fans out there. It's going to just be good mm-hmm. out there just to see him coaching the teams, uh, pretty much having them uh, in title contention every year. Uh, if he just keeps up with it and everything like that, just stays on him. So uh, it's going to be Good Alabama football to see down the road uh, for quite a while now. So, yeah, and and to to your point, Trey, um, you know, if you've ever talked to a head coach or someone who has been a head coach for for numerous years, they never quit being a coach. They're always a coach. They always have that coaching mentality. So for Nick Saban, in my opinion, as long as his health can keep up, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he'll be on on those sidelines. Yeah, I was just about yeah. to say, like coaching. Like, that's the only job that I know of 
people will just say, hey, I want to continue to do this. You know, once you get oh, 60 yeah. or something, everybody else want to be like, okay, I'm done with this damn job. But coaching, <laughs> they want to go just still at that. You know, and that's kind of just uh, made me kind of think about um, Bear Bryant in a way. You know, as soon as he finished coaching, uh, he basically died, like, right after he decided to hang Joe out. Joe Paterno? Yeah, Joe Paterno, another guy. So, same, same deal. Exactly. So yeah. he wants to keep with it. A lot of a lot of coaches, especially great ones, like they have to be pretty much put out of the league. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's rare that they just say, "All right, I'm done. I'm retiring." Uh, I mean, just think like Bobby Bowden, Florida State, basically had to push him out the door. Uh, Spurrier, he's one that kind of left on his own, but like you said, Bear Bryant, as soon as he left, he uh he passed away soon after. Turno passed away soon after, and he was basically, I mean, a lot of, with all the Penn State stuff, he was forced out, and, you know, Penn State couldn't figure out how to get, they wanted him out earlier, but they couldn't figure out how to do it, because, you know, you have a name like that, you're so ingrained, and you're all the school knows, it's it's Mm -hmm. hard to get some of those legends out of there, but, I mean, Saban, he's still uber successful, like, we just pointed it out. The resume, so it's it's not really an issue of forcing him out right now. It's basically with the success you're having, stay as long as we yeah. can keep paying you. Yeah. So yeah, and 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 to that point, Darnell, you know, talking about you know someone like Joe Paterno, unfortunately, it ended the way it did for him. But Nick Saban's been pretty dang clean. Uh, yeah, and there's no. I, I guess there, there's no hint at thinking, okay, he might be doing something a little fishy behind the scenes. We don't really want this hanging over us. Let's try and move him out. Like, there, there's no talks of that. Like, he stays very clean in the media. He stays very clean with the rules of the NCAA. Um, you know, the only reason you don't like Nick Saban is because you hate that Alabama wins. Like, you're, you're not hating him because, you know, it's a Baylor situation or it's a Penn State situation. It's you hate him because he's good. And because he's so clean, I think that, you know, Alabama's going to be happy to have him for as long as he's willing to be there because the image is clean. Yeah. Now, Ty, uh, you think uh, some donors going to get together from Michigan to make uh, your boy the highest paid coach to beat out Saban soon? Not yet. It, it would it would take a college football playoff appearance for that, and a Big Ten championship. It would, um, j- just realistically. Um, I mean, he. I feel like he has the team in a good position. Like this year could be a little interesting. They'll have a lot of young guys. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think it will take the college football playoff for him to get a bump in that pay grade. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much show and prove time for Harbaugh. Yeah. So before he gets more money. You know, yeah, I, I think they'll keep him. But like you said, I think for more money. Oh, yeah. He, he, yeah, no. Yeah, it's not like yeah. they're getting rid of him, just to make that yeah. clear. Yeah, for sure. It's just they they gave him a lot to get him there. And now it's time for him to get him some hardware. Uh, they, they've shown strides and an improvement. I think they... There's a chance they could have a small step back this year just because they lost so much talent. But yeah, lost eleven guys. I think from the draft. So. Yeah, yep. 
And I think by next year, they, they'll, all the people in Ann Arbor will be expecting, yeah, Big Ten title plus, uh, playoff appearance at least. Yeah. You know, just like you said, uh, next year, which would be the 2018 season. And if not the 2018 season, if it doesn't happen in 2019, questions will happen. Like people will start to question if he's the guy we want to stick with. And, as unfortunate as that sounds, because Harbaugh's a great coach, just the the people in Ann Arbor are literally dying to be back at the top of the Big Ten, uh, back in the national title picture. Like it, it's been too long for a lot of those people. So, well, yeah, he, and, and if he if they don't make that appearance by then, I think some of his his quirkiness that bothers everybody else might start bothering. Internally, oh, yeah. there, oh, yeah. especially if there's no success to go with it. I, I won't disagree. All right, guys, uh, anything left to add for saving or the NCAA? Loan a brother a million. I can think of something I could do. Be <laughs> <laughs> awesome student that. <laughs> sure. All right, guys, we're about to get into the draft next. Uh, we didn't have any bong pictures, anything like that going on this year. Uh, nothing too strange. I guess that's a good thing, but, uh, lacked the entertainment value last year's. But, uh, just what do you guys think about this draft? Um, as always, you know, there's some people that, uh, kind of went later than expected, but just overall thoughts. I was surprised that, uh, how many offensive skill position players still win the first round? Uh, yeah. All the, all the talk was that this was going to be a heavy defensive draft, which once you get to the second round and on, there was a lot, but I'm surprised how many like receivers and running backs went in the first round. And, and of course, uh, you know, going back as, as early as what, three, four months. Everybody was saying maybe one or two quarterbacks might make it to the first round and yeah. get four. So, yeah. uh, so it's, it's, I continue to get surprised by it, but I don't know why, but quarterback hungry teams, they will, even if everybody says they're not really that good, this is a project. They have a second round or a lower grade. If the team needs a quarterback, they're going to take them as early as possible. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I think there were only three in the first round. Was it three? Uh, uh, yeah, Trubisky, okay. Mahomes, and Watson. Okay, yeah. Um, three. Yeah, so three, but still, yeah, your, your point's there. Um, yeah, I agree. I was a little surprised by a lot of the offensive uh, players that were taken. A couple of them, I'm not. Like, you see uh, Christian McCaffrey went to the Carolina Panthers. I think he's a great fit there. Um, I'm not too surprised by that pick. The Los Angeles Chargers took a took a receiver a little earlier than I thought they would, but they need a guy. Keenan Allen's been tearing ACLs left and right, so it's like it's understandable why the pick's made. You know, Leonard Fournette—that's just the guy is a freak. So decent pick, you know. Um, but I think if there was something that surprised me in the first round, I think we can all point a finger at the Chicago Bears. <laughs> God, yes. Um, trading up one pick and giving up two other picks for Mitch Trubisky. Um, 
the the reason I was shocked it happened is because I San Francisco was on the clock, the trade was announced, and I said they're going for Trubisky, and my my brother kind of said, "What do you mean they're going for Trubisky?" I said, "They must really think San Francisco wants Trubisky as their quarterback, and they're going to get him." I said. I don't know why you would trade up for, I thought their other player would have been Jamal Adams, uh, safety at LSU, because they, they need some secondary help pretty bad. I figure, I don't understand why you would trade up and get Jamal Adams. So, you traded up for Trubisky, the city of Chicago simultaneously cried. <laughs> uh, uh, the reaction videos are great if you haven't seen any. Um, but then San Francisco takes Solomon Thomas, and everybody goes, wow, Chicago just blew it really bad. Um, I didn't understand giving up what they gave up for it either. Um, it was one one spot. Um, that that was definitely my head-scratching moment in the first round. Uh, but if there was if there was a another kind of surprising moment, I think it was round two or three, I can't remember, but there was a big string of defensive backs taken in the second and third round. Um, not saying that, like, I'm surprised it happened because it's a bad thing. I'm just, you know, when when you look at, you know, drafts, it seems to be that there always seems to be a run of a certain position or uh, a certain type of player. And we just saw a really big run of defensive backs, which I thought we would have saw in, the, in um, a little bit in the first round with, you know, players like uh, Marlon Humphrey and Jabril Peppers and uh, who's, who's the other guy? No, Adoree Jackson. You know, I thought we would have saw that run a little bit sooner in the first round, seeing these teams just take some crazy athletic guys and throw them on the defense and just have them find their spot. But that run happened a little later than I thought because um, I think there was one point where there was like six or seven taken in a row. Um but you know, overall, I'd say it was it was a pretty good draft. It wasn't very entertaining, but I, I thought it was a very good draft. I feel like this was one of the drafts in a while where, as the third and fourth round still went on, uh, a lot of big names were still being taken, uh, which to me kept the draft exciting. Because I mean, it was round four, and uh, cornerback uh, out of uh, Iowa, Desmond King, he was still on the board, and you're just thinking. Desmond King's really good. When's he going to go? So I felt like even as the draft moved on, there were still big names that were just kind of waiting to be taken, even all the way to the very last pick in Chad Kelly. I mean, a lot of people were curious to see what was going to happen with him. Um, so for as uneventful as the draft was, it was still very entertaining. Yeah. Uh, I, I Going back to what you're saying, I, I agree. Like It was crazy seeing uh, Chicago move up one spot to get Trubisky. Like in that moment, they made pretty much, they made John Lynch basically a legend as a GM oh, for the 49ers on <laughs> his first day really doing anything. And this probably just fell in his lap. It's like, y'all really want this guy that bad? Okay. He had no desire. And like, Lynch tried to be nice when they interviewed him after saying, I gotta respect Chicago for going after the guy they want. But you know, he had to just be laughing inside going, oh. Idiots. <laughs> Thank you. You secured my job for the next five years, probably just from you doing this stupid trade. So, but yeah, with that and 
I mean, just going back, like I said, I was surprised at how much offensive talent went early. Uh, Corey Davis going at five. Yeah. Uh, he, all words seemed, seemed like he was dropping in the draft, but, you know, still came out as a top five pick. Uh, Mike Williams soon after him, uh, with San Diego. Uh, I think you mentioned that, uh, with San Diego taking a receiver early. Uh, and then the quarterbacks, of course, uh, there were a couple little surprising like things in the draft, like uh, Joe Mixon in the second round. <laughs> I'm I'm actually not shocked by that, just because sure. the the more people talked about it, I thought he I wouldn't have been surprised if he would have made it if he would have slipped into the end of the first. Honestly, see, I would I would have been I would have been surprised by that in the first round. I'm still surprised that he was taken in the second round. I would have expected to see him uh, the third day of the draft. Just personally. Yeah. No, I, I thought, I thought at latest he would probably be a second round pick. I'm surprised just cause their history of having headaches. I was surprised that it was is. Cincinnati that did it. It's true. I, I figured it would be a team with, uh, less That's baggage. Uh, yeah. And disorder about them in, in their history. Uh, but you know, I, I'm not surprised just cause the kid's too talented. He's a first round back and, I, I don't, I didn't think any team had the, if somebody really wanted him, I, I wasn't sure if anybody had the balls to let him go after the second round. Yeah. Uh, just cause it, he, as long as he doesn't do anything else stupid, he's probably one of the most surefire best at that position out of this draft class. So I, that, that didn't shock me. Uh, but I mean, you, you had the, uh, the second round uh, pick for the Cowboys where they had one of their legends come out and, you know, oh, rile yeah. up the crowd, basically did a, a WWE heel promo. Thank uh, you for giving me a career. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And, uh, that was, that was funny. Yeah. And then you had, uh, I think it was McKinley, the Falcons draft pick that, uh, you know, got a little too oh, yeah, emotional no. and drops and. <laughs> Yeah, had, yeah, had a yeah. picture of his grandma and well, swore okay. on the NFL Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Let's yeah. let's let's clarify here. That was not just a picture. That was a wall that he yeah, brought up today. It was, it was, it was a big picture. Yeah. It, it was a poster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When when he walked up with that, at first I was kind of like, "Come on." Like, <laughs> Is this the stuff we're going to see this year? <laughs> but instead, we got a lot of people coming out to call the picks, riling up the crowd, which, I mean, yeah. it, it was all right. It got the crowd into it. It kept them in it. You know, yeah, even fine. Goodell was egging them on at first. Yeah, like, honestly, I, I, didn't have, I didn't have a problem with that. And the only reason I had any sort of a problem with that is because it, it just kept extending the picks. I'm kind of like that. We, we, I wanted to move along here. Like, granted, the first round takes like three hours. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, we're about to do next. We're just about to get into uh, our, our squad picks. Uh, it's great. Our squad to see how our thoughts on them. I go with my Ravens first, then we'll get to uh, Darnell's Cowboys, and then we'll do the Almighty Lions after that. So, uh, just for me. Uh, it was pretty good. I felt pretty good about the Ravens draft. Uh, the first, their first pick was Marlon Humphrey. Uh, I was mm-hmm. kind of shocked by this one. Um, I know they needed a DB, 
But uh, I was texting you guys. I felt as if, as if they were going to get O.J. Howard on this one just because, you know, some teams they get the uh, – sometimes they'll just do the best player available. So I felt as if he was the best player available. But uh, they did go with another Alabama guy in Humphrey. Um, pretty pleased with that one. I know that he did give away a couple of deep balls last year to Alabama. But uh, just hopefully, you know, he can get that fixed and everything so he can get the um, defense back to – Ravens defense. What would an uh, offensive, excuse me, an uh, outside linebacker, Matthias um, Bowser in Houston, and then we got a defensive end and with uh, one of your Michigan guys, Tyler and Chris Warman. We got mm-hmm. another uh, defensive guy with an outside linebacker from Alabama, Tim Williams. Then we got Tony Saragusa's son uh, for guard, uh, Nico Saragusa. Uh, it's from San Diego State. Um, then Jermaine. Uh, Hope I'm saying this right. Illuminor, uh, offensive tackle from Texas A&M, and Chuck Clark, another DB. Uh, just looking at this, just just thought about a typical Ravens draft when they were doing pretty good. You know, they got us guys out there that I think could really help them defensively if they could get everything clicking together, and they got an offensive line that they could put together to help uh, with the run game and help attack uh, Flacco a little bit more because I know he's going to be slinging the ball. So. Just hopefully, yeah, these guys can get everything uh, going for them and they could just uh, form like the Ravens that I'm like used to liking. So overall, I give this, uh, say, about a B plus, A minus. Um, you know, just with the whole Marlon Humphreys, uh, I do like him. It was just, you know, I just thought that they were going to go with the best available with OJ Howard. But typical draft that I would have liked to see from them getting defensive minded guys and a good little O-line that they could put together to help out the pass and the running game. So, don't mind this at all. Just real quick, Jay. um, Do you think potentially they didn't go for O.J. Howard because they still really believe in Crockett Gilmore? Possibly, yeah. You know, know, just with, uh, you know, you guys were just talking about that being a, uh, just being like a defensive type of draft, you know, for the early rounds and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Uh, this with them getting them, I still think uh, they have faith in them. I don't have a problem with the guy at all. You know, I just saw it mm-hmm. as if, you know, hey, this is the best guy available. I think he yeah. could have helped them and, you know, help with the running game too because he's pretty good at blocking and whatnot. But, yeah, uh, yeah you know, I, I, like I said, I don't have a problem at all with him, uh, with, with the guy, but, you know, just thought this would be the best available guy that they would end up getting. So there's yeah. no problem. And just hopefully, you know, Humphrey can get the deep ball. Uh, watch out for the deep ball. Yeah, and yeah, I was more so surprised they didn't take Allen or Foster. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I'm not. I'm not surprised they, that they went defense, and I'm not surprised that they went uh, Alabama. Uh, basically, because their their GM uh, is a Alabama alum, Ozzie Newsom. So yeah, I, I wasn't shocked with how the pick went. I was just su- surprised who it was. Yeah. Uh, of of all the Alabama talent, Humphrey seemed to be that second rounder that most likely would be taken out of him, uh, behind uh, Jonathan Allen, Ruben Foster, and OJ Howard. But yeah, uh, yeah, that that's what was surprising me about that. First. Yeah, yeah, and and Trey, you know, you said you're not disappointed with the pick. You know, you're you're uh, just just proving a point that I'm gonna hit hard with the Lions. 
is you're never upset when your team drafts defense. Yeah. You're, you're just not. Um, and, you know, and I, I'm happy the Lions went this route as well. Even, uh, the Cowboys for you, Darnell, a first round pick of defense, you're not upset with. Um, mainly because I feel like a defensive player, if they flop, you just say, well, at least we picked a defensive player. If an offensive player flops, it just looks like an awful draft pick. Um, and I'm not saying any of these guys are going to flop, but, you know, good, good teams go far with good defense. Um, I mean, uh, every once in a while, a poor defensive team can go far, but teams with mediocre quarterbacks and good defenses go a lot far. I mean, if Rex Grossman can make it to a Super Bowl because of his defense, draft me defense every single time. <laughs> and it's it's harder to flop with a defensive player. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. And and like I said, I, I'd rather be upset that a player didn't just wasn't who we thought they were than take, for instance, Leonard Fournette, and then. He's just terrible. Or he's a character guy. You know, character issues left and right. You know, I'm not saying that's, that's gonna happen, but, you know, it just, defense is a safer pick and there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Alright, Darnell, it's up to you, man. Break your squad down. Uh, I mean, uh, like a Baltimore draft, basically, uh, I was happy that Dallas went mainly defense. That's been the big issue. Uh, I do think they kind of went a little out of the order that I would rather them have gone, but I guess I kind of understand it because of the run-on DBs that happened. So by the time it got to them, they they took what was highest on their board, I assume. So uh, they went with Taco Charles. Who's a high-motor DN? Uh, I think he'll, he'll fit into the rotation, uh, which is a young and growing, uh, group for, for Dallas. So down the line, I think that could be a nasty little rotation with him, David Irving, Irving and, uh, Tyrone Crawford. Uh, I, I wanted him to focus more on the DV side just because they lost so many, uh, through free agency. Uh, but. They did go back to that in the second round, getting uh, Chidobi Awuzi uh, from Colorado, uh, and and following that up with Jordan Lewis, who I think probably is their steal. Uh, high, his talent is much higher than the round he was drafted in, but I guess there's a domestic dispute issue hanging over him that that dropped him. But uh, even even being a Spartan, Jordan Lewis has been a player I've respected since. He stepped on the field there. Uh, he, he just skill wise, he's pretty much flawless. He, his technique is good. He sticks with players and he's athletic enough to get on the offensive side of the ball. If you want him to, he can play special teams. So I think he's going to end up being a steal for him and, and he can play on the outside. Uh, he's physical enough corner, uh, where I could see him in the next couple of years. Matching up with outside receivers and, and doing things well. Uh, fourth rounder was kind of confusing for me. They went with, uh, Ryan Switzer, who's a 
receiver from North Carolina, more of a slot receiver. They still have Cole Beasley, who became kind of a security blanket for Dak Prescott last year. So not really sure how that fits for him. Yeah, he led a team but, in receptions. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. So seeing he's in that same type of mold, I, I really don't know what they were going with that one. But, hey, uh, it was a pick there. Uh, they went back defensively. Uh, in the sixth round, they had a couple picks there. They went with uh, Xavier Woods, a safety from Louisiana Tech. Uh, probably a guy that's going to be playing special teams and working his way into spot situations. And then uh, Marquise White uh, from Florida State. Uh, I, I guess they they did uh, make me happy on the back end by loading up on those DBs and just seeing where they can find something that fits. Uh, overall, uh, they did follow up in the seventh round. They got uh, a D tackle, Joey Ivy, and then another receiver. Uh, and Noah Brown out of Ohio State. Uh, he's another big receiver, so I guess they're hoping that might be, they might strike gold and that would be Dez's heir apparent. Uh, but overall, I, I'm glad they win defense. Um, unsure, uh, so I guess I give them in the a B range. I'm not going to say it's an A draft, uh, but strong. They, they, they went with a lot of defense players, which is, where the needs are, uh, they have the whole line intact. They have young uh, quarterback, young running back. They have a solid receiving core. So this is what they needed to look at. Uh, I wouldn't have been mad if they went and got a a tight end. To you know, Witten's not getting any younger, but yeah, I'm, I'm overall happy. Yeah, I was just about to ask. Um, looking at the rounds um, and what they had. Like with the best players available, is there somebody else that you were hoping they would have drafted that they didn't draft, or were you just pretty satisfied with who they got? No, I, I guess I'm not really mad at it, just because they were lower in the on the draft board, so they had to go uh, with what was there for them. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I'm I'm overall happy with it. Uh, I, I was kind of hoping. Uh, Desmond King would also slip to him. Oh, yeah. Uh, just, I, I would love that. We did get Jordan Lewis, but I mean, if we could have got both of those two Big Ten corners that I'm familiar with, both physical, both can stick with people, I, I would have loved seeing that. But, you know, I'll take what we can get. Yeah, you know, Trey mentioning Jason Witten, <clears throat> you know, I was continuing to watch Jake Buff. And I thought that Dallas may have picked up Big Butt in one of those later rounds. Um, but he ended up going and I just thought he, he could have been a pretty good fit there, learn under Witten while yeah. he still really recovers from the ACL. Although teams were saying that the ACL wasn't necessarily the reason he was falling. I think he, because I actually saw quite a few websites say that they think he's going to fully recover, no problem. I think it was one of those, like, how long can we wait on a guy to steal him? Like, I think he was one of those situations. Now, I don't think he was, I didn't think he was going to be drafted in the first two rounds anyway. I'm not saying, you know, anything like that. But I, I just think teams were kind of seeing how long they could wait on him. Yeah. Um, because 
the third round was going by and they were all saying, you know, Jake Butts, one of the three best or four best available. Um, So I think it was just one of those stories of how long can we wait? He's one that I feel bad for because he was graded as like a second round tight end before the injury. (laughs) But do you you feel bad that he collected that 500,000 or whatever it was? Oh, the insurance policy? That was smart. Yeah. 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 How how did that? I mean, yeah, he got drafted a little later, but I think that made up for it a little bit. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure he feels good about mm-hmm. that. He at least got some compensation yeah. for it. But, you know, just somebody that you you lose some stature just because you won't be able to immediately come in and produce and they have to yeah. you get downgraded just so they can make sure that you come back totally healthy. All right, guys. Uh, just what are your thoughts on this Lions draft? Yeah, I guess I'll I'll break it down real quick for everybody. Um, first round linebacker Gerard Davis out of Florida. I really like it. He's just big, physical, pretty good at the run stop. Uh, Detroit struggled stopping the run in years past. Um, you can look at some of the running backs that they had to face. Uh, you know, you look at something like Zeke Elliott. Granted, he's hard to stop in general, but he ran all over him. Thomas Rawls in the playoffs ran all over him. I even think Jarek McKinnon ran all over him. <laughs> so they, they definitely needed some linebacker help. For me, that was, that was probably my biggest concern for the Lions going into the draft is how will they address linebacker. They didn't appear or they didn't look to make really any moves on that free agency, which I mean, that's okay. And they addressed it in a couple spots in the draft, which, which made me happy. Um, Ruben Foster was there at 21. So I was, I was wondering, you know, I saw a lot of reports of they really like Gerard Davis. Um, I was wondering, is Ruben Foster's character going to keep him away? Um, and after they took Gerard Davis, um, the first round, you know, and that first round completed, uh, Bob Quinn came out and said, you know, we really like Gerard Davis. He's high character, and that told me right there that's why they passed on Ruben Foster. It was, it was a character issue. Um, and that's okay for me. Um, I'll trust the judgment of Bob Quinn on that one. Uh, I mean, dude's been doing it in New England for years. So him coming over here trying to help us out, I really appreciate that. So second round, they pick up Tease Tabor from Florida as well. Um it was an interesting pick at the time. Uh, I thought we were going to rename ourselves the Detroit Gators. Um, <laughs> but uh, Tease Tabor had pretty poor numbers at the combine. Uh, he said he, he did it with uh, with a hurt hamstring he, uh, while he was at the combine. So he says that's what hurt his numbers. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Um, he says, hey, just look at the tape. I'm, I'm really fine when I'm healthy. And you look at the tape, he's... You know, he's a physical corner. He gets really good reads. Um, one thing that I don't know that I'm sold on is he likes to jump the route sometimes. And in the NFL, you can get burned uh, pretty bad by some, by some pretty quick guys. So I'd like to see him really just stick down to staying with defenders. Um, you know, maybe just jump routes on zone, not on man. But uh, granted, being a cornerback, you kind of know when to pick your spots. So. Yeah, the, just the knock on him at the draft that he's a little slow. Um, I think, you know, it's anything you hear on a player at the at the draft is a little skewed. A lot of it's based off of what you saw at the combine. Um, 
mixed in with some tape stuff, but they really talk about the performance of the combine and Tista Board did not have a great combine. So um I don't mind the pick for the Lions. They can always use defensive help. Um I felt like linebacker and cornerback were the two positions they really needed to focus on. And uh they they did a pretty good job there. Then in the third round it took Kenny Kenny Galladay. Uh, in my opinion, this was their reach in the draft. Um, wide receiver out of Northern Illinois. Um, the thing he has going for him is he's 6'4", six, 6'4", four, uh, six, four, 213. Uh, he looks like he has really good hands. Um, the tape that I've seen on him in some instances reminds me of Kelvin Johnson in a way. Uh, just a big receiver, taller than a lot of corners trying to guard him. Um, like I said, good hands. Uh, he seems to be pretty good at just going up and getting the ball. He, he just has a nose for the football. So he's, he's, we knew Detroit would take a wide receiver. We just didn't really know who. Um, and it turned out to be this guy. I felt like they could have possibly got him in the, in the fourth round, uh, which, which was only 28, pick, 28 picks later. Uh, yeah, 28 picks later. I felt like they still could have got him there, but. I guess there's something about him that Detroit really liked, and they were willing to take him the third. Uh, the fourth round, they take a linebacker out of Tennessee, Jalen Reeve Maven. I also like this pick, another really solid defender. Uh, pretty decent at stopping the run, um, can drop in coverage. Uh, once again, I'm not upset that uh, we got a, another linebacker to help with the run. I mean, in the NFC North, we're looking at I guess Ty Montgomery is going to be the starter in Green Bay. At least that's the reports. So we're going to have to guard uh, or worry about him. Now we need to worry about Dalvin Cook. And then the tandem in Chicago of Jeremy Langford and, uh, oh, what's his name? Howard. Jordan Howard. Uh, you know, so there, there's some really good running backs in the NFC North. So any help we can get trying to stop that run, I'm I'm all for. Of course, the quarterbacks in the North would be good. I can only trust one of them to do that. So uh, I really like the idea to try to focus on the run there by taking two linebackers in the first four rounds. Um, four picks later in the fourth, they, they take a tight end that was uh, rumored they would take, uh, Michael Roberts out of Toledo. Uh, nothing too flashy about this guy. Uh, the thing about him is just that he's, he's just absolutely huge. He's, he's 5'8", which is a little shorter than I would like. Um, oh, no, wait. I got the, I got the wrong guy there. I think he's something like 6'4", 2-something. They, they have the wrong guy on the website here. Um, let me look it up real quick. Uh, the, the guy's a monster. Um, there, there's a picture of him holding his hand up to somebody else since he's literally dwarfing the other guy's hand. Who are you talking about? Um, it, uh, Michael Roberts. Tight end out of Toledo. He's 6'4", 270. Um, just a monster of a guy. The reason they got him is for the run block. Um, he he uh, showed really good blocking skills at the Combine and throughout his uh, senior year at Toledo. Uh, he didn't have you know stellar numbers his senior year. At Toledo, he did catch 16 touchdowns, so he's going to be a very big red zone threat for the Lions, where they seemed to struggle at times last year. Uh, so, once again, just... A pick of need, not necessarily a flashy pick. Um, and I don't have any problem with that. Uh, round five, they take cornerback Jamal Agnew out of San Diego. 
the tape on this guy just shows that he's super fast. Um, I think they'll try to use him a little more in the special teams. Uh, he was a good punt return at, at San Diego. And I think that's where he'll try to utilize him most. He can also play corner. So it gives him a little bit of versatility there. Uh, round six, they take a defensive tackle out of Arkansas, Jeremiah Ledbetter. Uh, I think I may have seen somewhere they're going to try and start him, which in my opinion, if you can get a sixth, sixth round pick, that's going to be a starter for you. That, that's a steal for anybody. So, um, guy's big. Uh, we're just using him to clog up the middle. You know, try and stop some run game a little bit. Um, and as I said earlier, nothing wrong there with that. Uh, also in round six, they take Brad Kaya, quarterback out of Miami. Uh, one thing I kind of saw here that uh, we saw Bob Quinn do in New England a lot is they, they very frequently take quarterbacks. Uh, and I think he likes to draft a quarterback. You know, Brad Kaya, pretty big arm, uh, throw it from just about anywhere. His accuracy is in question at times. But, uh, you know, if he can learn under Stafford for, for three or four years, um, I don't see him playing over Stafford at all. But, um, it'll be interesting backup competition between him and Jay Brudock. And then with the last pick in the seventh round, we take a defensive end out of Eastern Michigan, Pat O'Connor. Uh, it's kind of an at-home pick. Um, this was the pass rush that a lot of people thought Detroit needed to take a lot earlier. Um, it's the one defensive end that was, the huge question for a lot of people going into the draft. Uh, they've taken the seventh round. A lot of people kind of criticize them for one waiting that long and two passing on every other defensive end that was in the draft. But um, I think Detroit has some other plans for, excuse me, defensive end. Um, and I guess we'll just have to wait and see what it is. But uh, just, you know, re uh, a- answering a question that Trey and asked you, Darnell, was there anybody there, you know, that you would have liked to see Detroit take? and Dallas got one of them, Jordan Lewis, and you mentioned the other, Desmond King. Uh, with Tistabor, if they could have gotten, um, King or Lewis in rounds four or five, I, I would have been in love with Detroit's draft. I would have felt like that defense would have been young in a lot of key positions and they would have been able to grow together in the NFL and possibly turn into something pretty special, but they got neither of those guys, so I'm not even going to think about it. <laughs> But yeah, I was surprised Desmond King fell as far as he did. Yeah, I'll admit that. I agree there. Uh, just one for me. Um, I did like the uh, Gerard Davis pick, uh, but uh, at the time I was thinking, I was, was thinking and hoping that uh, Foster would end up in Detroit. Um, so I would have loved to see Foster in there. I think he was a little bit better than uh, Davis, but at the end of the day, Davis was a good pick for him. Either way, there's pretty solid linebacker. So that was just one that I was just thinking. I was telling you guys, I think Foster would have ended up in Detroit uh, just due to how he was sliding, uh, mostly due to his shoulder. So but other than that, yeah, it was pretty good. All right, up next, we're about to get to Adrian Peterson and our thoughts on him going to the Saints. Uh, how did you guys feel about hearing this? Yeah, I was a little surprised, uh, mainly because it seems like Mark Ingram's really found his stride in the NFL and with the Saints. Um, so I was a little, little surprised to see him go there when there were other teams that had running back needs. Um, but I guess, hey, he wanted, that's where you want to go, then go. I mean, he's going to get to play with three threes. Um, 
you know, it, it kind of baffles me because Adrian Peterson isn't really one to catch out of the backfield. And I know the Saints like to utilize that often. Um, you know, they did back when they had Sproles. Uh, they do that with three or four running backs that they kind of rotate around. So I'm sure Adrian Peterson will find his role with the team pretty quick. Uh, he, I think he's too talented of a running back to not have a role on that team. Uh, I just found it a very interesting fit. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'll just go real quick there unless you take it, uh, Darnell. But, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of just surprised with the Saints. Um, you know, like I said, it is his pick and whatnot. But uh, just for him to go there, uh, I was just telling you guys about, you know, like what would happen with Mark Ingram because he was doing pretty good and with the Saints mm-hmm. last year too. Uh, so I was reading also that Mark Ingram will be the one starting. I uh, know Darnell, uh, we were talking about how you feel, you know, how Adrian Peterson is falling off. But I still think, you know, just how he feels, uh, he still has some, feels as if he has some, some, uh, gas left in the tank. He can still deliver. So just with him going there, uh, I think that if he, him going there, uh, he knows that he would have the starting position. Uh, he would feel, I just don't think he would just go somewhere yet where he'll just be the backup. But, uh, you know, it'll just be interesting to see, you know, just with him going to the Saints, how they would handle him and Ingram. Because, uh, you know, Ingram had a good year uh, last year. And then Adrian Peterson, some people have some question marks by him um, with his performance uh, last year and everything before the injury and whatnot, um, just how he was playing. Uh, but, you know, I still have faith in the guy. You know, I still want to see the old AP out there that was just beasting and whatnot. But, yeah, just – Interesting, you know, how he feels as if he's going to be utilized there uh, when they had a good running back in England that was stepping up to the plate. So, In Peterson's defense, terrible O-line in this. Yeah, I can agree. Agreed, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm with you guys. This was not the place I expected AP to, to land, not the least. Uh, for just reasons they they have an established starter in Mark Ingram who for pretty much a season and a half and a half now he's come into stride and starting to show that he's turned into the back that uh the Orleans thought they were drafting. Uh he runs hard and catch out of the backfield and that leads to point two which uh Ty mentioned AP's never been much of a receiving back and when you have a quarterback like Breeze that spreads it around uh, that if you if you're not a receiver that is comfortable catching the ball out of the backfield, it just doesn't seem like a place where you would go. Uh, that's something that Ingram has improved in, and they usually still have a scat back type player uh, that they can throw into a spot like that. For the last couple of years, it's been uh, a Tavares Cadet or Travis. Mm-hmm. I his last name, but his first name. But uh, so yeah, it's just seems odd that that's where he went. Uh, <clears throat> as Trey alluded to, I, I, I'm not one of the, of the thought where AP going somewhere, this means he's just about to start wrecking shop. Just as, I mean, yeah. the the proof's just in the numbers over the last couple of years. His, his production's gone down. Uh, yes, Minnesota's O-line had Definitely left something to be desired. Uh, but, you know, last year up until, I mean, it was only three games that he played, but he, he was averaging uh, a yard and a half per carry 
and uh, the year before it was it was only like two or two or three. So I mean, his production's been going down uh, on a on a per carry clip. Uh, like I said to you guys, McKinnon's been out gaining. So yeah, like right now, I'm I'm just wondering if we're to a point where uh, people are still hoping just. It's AP, so we're going off his name. Yeah. But it, it's not that guy anymore. We, we can't depend on him to, uh, to just get up and do what he used to do. So I'm hoping just with this move, uh, he's fine with taking on a, a diminished role or, and can step up because, Ingram does has, have a little bit of an injury history. Uh, he hasn't played full 16 games since he's been in the NFL. He's a running back. I don't think any, any running back is expected to play, uh, every game, but if he can come in and, and, and fill a role, uh, run hard, get, get some good yardage for him during those times where maybe he's not a hundred percent or not on the field that could work out, but. Uh, I think the big thing would be mentor to a young fellow like that, uh, and, and uh, get give him some of those tools that made APAP when he was at his peak. Yeah. yeah. One one reason I would completely agree with that, and one reason I would say that might be the plan is the fact they signed AP to a one year deal. Yeah. Now, granted, I think you're signing AP to a one year deal because you don't know what you're going to get for one year. You don't know what you're going to get off this injury. Um, I think that's the majority part of the one year deal. No, was but it one or, um, I, I thought it was two. Was it? Was I thought I saw one. Um, so, I mean, e- even if it is two years, I mean, I think everyone's expecting AP to be on the second half. Um, not as, no pun intended, last leg. Um, you know, so the fact that, a team with a younger back. Um, really, AP and Ingram are built very similarly, and I think I wouldn't be. Oh, not that I think, but I wouldn't be surprised if the move is to get AP in there and teaching them how to really run between the tackles. Yeah. yeah, just real quick. Yeah, it's a two-year, uh, seven-year, not okay. yet, but. Yeah, just kind of like, uh, kind of just, uh, getting ready to talking about Todd, but, uh, yeah, Adrian Peterson, he's 32 years old, um, for a running back in the NFL, uh, that's pretty old. So this guy's been taking a beat and carrying that Vikings offense. So yeah, with those, injuries, exactly. With those injuries, uh, that he's been dealing with, um, you know, this could possibly be, uh, the, the near end to his career, uh, might not be seeing the old AP. Uh, like we, uh, we're definitely used to seeing. So, just be interesting to see how he's, he'll be able to, to utilize his talent, uh, yeah, in and, Yeah. And I think at this point, we'd all be more happy seeing AP last 16 games rather than him go out and rush for a thousand yards. Like, yeah. just being honest at this point, like, we have I don't think we've seen AP play a full season in a while. Yeah. All right, now guys, now do you have anything else to add uh just football overall before we get ready to move on? I think it was pretty good. It was a good draft. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. I watched almost every pick. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, we're about to get into the NBA next. Uh, we'll just talk about these playoffs so far. First one we're about to talk about is Cleveland versus Toronto. Toronto better step their game up, man. This is looking <laughs> bad for them. Uh, you know, what are you guys' thoughts on this series? It's oh, over. Yeah. Cleveland's up <laughs> 2 nothing, blowing them out. I told uh, Darnell, I man, you know, wait until they come to Toronto. You know, this might just be uh, a different, you know, this when they have to I mean, it's, it's six, it, it, you know, it's, it's a different it, place for them. But. but it's still over. <laughs> <laughs> just because they're going to Toronto doesn't mean it's randomly going to become a Toronto-dominated series. I was going to say, even if they were good enough to squeak out a win or two there, they haven't shown – Really, that they can do anything in Cleveland. They yeah, have to go true. back there two more times. Yeah. All right, but but I, I think I think it's all safe to say that we're probably never going to panic about Cleveland in the regular season again. I mean, I I don't know that. I mean, they're not the number one seed. That's fine. But if they're going to do this, no matter what seed they fall on, they could be the eight seed at five hundred, and I'll say they're fine. Yeah. LeBron LeBron has a switch for the playoffs and he turns it on. So I'm I'm not gonna be worried about whatever LeBron wants to do in the regular season again. Alright. Yeah. Well I mean this whole time I, I was never really worried about LeBron. It was just the rest of the team, but yeah. they all seem to have come together really quick now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They just land the smack down on everybody that comes up on them now, so now, how are you guys feeling? You think this is going to be a sweep, or what? Uh, how do you think this is going to end? I think they could go five. Go five. Um, I, I, yeah, I think. Uh, I, I, DeRozan hasn't played well. Um, if DeRozan and Lowry could combine for seventy plus in a game, which they're very capable of doing, you know, uh, or even combine for sixty plus, um. Could possibly sweep one out, catch Cleveland on a poor shooting night, um, and, and that's all it would take is Toronto to be hot one night shooting the ball in Cleveland to be average or below average, and I, I think DeRozan will have a better chance of doing that at home uh, than he would at Cleveland. So I wouldn't be surprised if they take one in Toronto. Yeah, that, that storage closet is open, and I see a broom and a dustpan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I'm actually I, I'm feeling five. Uh, I think they'll get one against Cleveland. Uh, somewhere in Toronto, somewhere somehow. So I, I'm feeling five, but it's just gonna you know I will yeah. not be surprised in the sweep with how these guys been playing. Yeah. I, I'm just trying to be nice here. Yeah. So just have to see. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want the Eastern Conference to be done, and all we're waiting on is. Uh, San Antonio Houston. <laughs> yeah. I, I want more than one game a night. Yeah. I, I agree. It's just, yeah. You, yeah. I feel you. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, let's get to Washington and Boston. Um, I know I did pick the Wizards uh, to come out the East, um, but I'm really uh, digging Isaiah Thomas, man. With this guy's going through, uh, you know, him losing his sister. Uh, him putting up 53 points last night, getting his teeth knocked out. 
Uh, you know, I'm just liking how to do, you know, this guy's just being tough right now and just pulling this team through. Uh, Washington, they did have a good amount of leads in this game and they just blew, uh, I think oh, they were about 20 the first, uh, yeah. Yeah. game. And then I think they blew like a 10, 15 point lead in the second game. So they can bang with them. They're just not closing out the games like they should. Uh, so mm-hmm. they're going to be going to Washington, uh, to get ready to play them tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, they're going to have to step it up uh, to down, too. So they're going to have to get these uh, home games in. But really pleased with just how Isaiah Thomas is just uh, duking it out right now with all that he's going through. So, But, yeah, how do you guys feel about this series? It's going opposite of what I thought as well. I mean, <laughs> Isaiah Thomas is doing what he did all year, which is in the fourth quarter just – becoming a god uh, <laughs> but I mean I, I thought with having to deal with John Wall they would kind of equal each other out and yeah. it would be each team's role players but surprisingly it's been Boston's that have come to play a little bit more they've been playing tougher which is also surprising to me uh, and then and, and as you guys mentioned Washington just keeps Falling over themselves and blowing leads. They, they shouldn't have lost, uh, this most recent game, but, you know, they had, they had a double digit lead in the third quarter, yeah. but, you know, fourth quarter hit. Isaiah Thomas looked at his hands like usual and, you know, we, it, it was kind of an epic showdown with, with him and John Wall. Uh, yeah. you had Wall go 40 and 13, but Isaiah Thomas trumps it going 53. And yeah. what was it like tw- twenty three in the fourth quarter in overtime or something like, or twenty nine yeah. in yeah, the fourth quarter in yeah. overtime? Yeah, it was so yeah, so I mean, you just got to tip your hat to the Celts and, and mainly Isaiah Thomas. He's just been out of his mind right now, and he, he's the story of the playoffs right now with how, with the adversity he's dealing with and still putting up ridiculous numbers. And on top of that, he's like five ten. Yeah. So, <laughs> and he's he's still finding ways to do this when usually the playoffs are, is when it gets more physical and it's harder for a little fellow. But he's he's finding his way to the basket. He's getting a shot off whenever he wants. He he's turning into a straight up superstar right now, and he, he's making a couple teams that gave him away look mighty dumb right now. Yeah, you know, God track. Uh, well, uh, just a quick question for you guys, just uh, pertaining to John Wall. Um, is where do you guys uh, feel he ranks amongst the point guards in the NBA? Like, we always hear, you know, about the Westbrooks, the Currys, um, you know, Kyrie Irvins and whatnot. But here's a guy that a lot of people don't talk about, but this dude can straight up just ball. Yeah. Uh, this, how, where, how do you guys just feel about John Wall? Do you think he's very uh, just underrated or what? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I mean, I guess personally I don't underrate him. I think mm-hmm. talent-wise he's up there with that uh, that top level of NBA point guards. Yeah. It's just I guess he's stuck at in Washington with the Wizards where they just don't get enough pub. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so – he, he gets overlooked in that way, <laughs> but but yeah, no, John Wall is he he's one of the more unguardable point guards in the NBA, pretty much right up there with 
Kyrie, but yeah. he will just, he, you cannot stop him if he wants to go off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where, where I think Wall kind of gets hidden is in the fact that there, there are two kinds of point guards in the league. You're either an assist point guard or a points point guard. And John Wall's one of the only guys over the last three to five years that's doing both. Um, I mean, Curry gets up there at about six, maybe seven assists a game, but you're, you're looking at, uh, John Wall going yeah, you like 20, 20 10, plus yeah. a game. Yeah. And 10 plus a game. Um, and there are many point guards doing that. I mean, Kyrie Irving's not racking up assists. Isaiah Thomas isn't racking up assists. Um, and just the only other one who really did it this year was Russell Westbrook. And I still don't really know how he averaged that many assists. Hey, <laughs> 40 shots a game, but you know, th- that that was just a special season that we may never see again, but um, you know, I, I I think he just gets, like you said, Darnell, he gets hidden in the lack of publicity. His team's not a one seed. His team's not a two seed. Uh, they're not winning a championship. Um, and when that happens, you, you just get lost in the shuffle. And unfortunately, that's happened to John Wall but I think he's starting to get the eye of a lot of people. Um, you even hear, uh, you know, a lot of these analyst shows talking more about John Wall. Um, I think he deserves more than he's getting. Um, but I also understand why he's getting lost behind a lot of the superstars in the league right now. Yeah. But, but like, like, I guess back to your point, Dre, I mean, in terms of production, Oh yeah, he's totally there. I would want him on my team. Yeah. To be to be fair. Yeah, for sure. Like if if you're if you're looking to start a team and you have some of these guys gone, you know, John Wall's there, I'd take him. Yeah. Like I say, you know, the other guys, you know, he's one of the few breeds of point guards out there that can actually, you know, score and assist. So if the guys out there, his teammates are not knocking the shots down, he can just turn it up and get some points himself. So uh, very talented yeah. point guard. And he's actually upped his production like crazy from the regular season to, uh, the postseason. Yeah. His points are up. His assists are up. His field goal percentage is up. Yeah. Uh, from two and three point percentage. Uh, even shooting better from the free throw. And the only thing that his numbers didn't go up on is rebounds, which, I mean, he's now West- Russell Westbrook. So yeah. that's not something you expect out of him. But I mean, he's averaging a full six points more, uh, an extra almost a full assist number higher, and his uh, six percentage points shooting better. I mean, I don't know what more you can ask out of him. Yeah. Uh, Washington side is Miss Brad Beal that needs to step up, honestly. Yeah. So. Yes, looking like kind of like the Bradley air, Bill. Airballing game winners. Yeah, you know, kind of looking like the Bradley Bill when those two like wasn't mixing. Uh, before mm-hmm. we was talking about, you know, they just couldn't mix up together. Uh, yeah. And, you know, they were doing pretty good during the regular season, but just come this uh, playoff series so far is looking iffy. So hopefully, yeah, they can get back on streaking everything uh, when they play in Washington. So, all right, uh, you guys have anything else for this series? I think it should be tied, but it'll be interesting to see what Washington does at home. Yeah. Sure. Tied or Washington should have been up to oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you, you know, and, and I've, I've said it with Isaiah Thomas before, and this will be my last point. 
he knows how to close teams out. He has that instinct. I don't know that Washington has it. I thought yeah. they did. Um, but Isaiah Thomas is showing he is the best at closing somebody out. Yeah, he's one of the most trustworthy fourth quarter players in the NBA. All right, guys. Up next, we're about to get into Houston versus San Antonio. Uh, I was texting Tyler about this one um, when they first when Houston first played San Antonio, but I would not be shocked if Houston ends up being San Antonio this series. Uh, still, still room for San Antonio, but just with the overall pace and just how this team can score and just their athleticism. Uh, looking at San Antonio throughout the uh, years, uh, they've been struggling against you know young teams that can. Have play at a fast pace and just athletic, uh, they're just an athletic team. So this could be the team that, uh, can end up, uh, possibly end up beating San Antonio. Like I said, I'm still rooting for San Antonio, but, uh, this is just a team that I think it'll just be a scary matchup for San Antonio. See, I, I, I kind of disagree with that only because I feel like Houston has shot the lights out. Yeah. They shot 44% from three pointer percentage yeah. from, from three point land and they shot 50 of them. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I I felt like that was a very abnormal night. Um, that and I felt like San Antonio just couldn't really buy anything. And the looks at it tonight, it's almost halftime. Currently, what sixty three fifty three? Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like the story's flipping a little bit. I mean, San Antonio's thirty points away from what they scored in game one. Yeah. Um. So I think that first game was. I don't want to say it was an anomaly because. They could very well go out and do that again, but I don't think we can tell the story off of game one. Uh, I still expect San Antonio to take this one. I expect their defense to get a little better. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge needs to step up. Um, Kawhi Leonard needs to continue just being Kawhi Leonard offensively and defensively. But yeah, um, the Spurs just need to pick it up a little bit as a whole. Uh, they, they just looked flat, lazy in game one. Um, and I think some of that just has to do with the fact that it seemed like every time Houston was coming down the floor, they're bearing three in the face. So I get it, but uh, I expect them to turn around. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to call game one like some anomaly just like you, but hey, we do have to just look at the facts that Houston shot at a ridiculous clip. True. Uh, you know, 22 for 50 from three-point range. That's crazy. And I think that was the most three-pointers attempted in a playoff game in NBA history. And then San Antonio just did not play well uh, on their own. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge disappeared. And that's supposed to be the number two player on this team. Uh, you cannot have that happen. Uh, he's playing a little better tonight. Uh, but just that combination of things with Houston just not being able to miss and and San Antonio just not being able to buy a basket and you, you, they just can't rely on Kawhi to do everything. Yeah. So so yeah, so that that game was it it definitely should have served as an eye opener uh, for San Antonio, but I'm not counting them out of the series by any means. I, I still probably lean more towards them because, uh, just cause honestly, Popovich is undefeated in playoff series against, uh, Mike D'Antoni. So I guess yeah. I'll go with history there. Uh, so it was, it was a 
fun game to watch. It was crazy to see a team shoot that well. Um, but they, they'd have to do this a couple times. Yeah. At least to make me just say, okay, they have San Antonio's number. Mm-hmm. Just another thing real quick. I'd just like to add, uh, let's see my man Powell, uh, do a little bit more for the, uh, yeah. Spurs. Um, no, he's getting old up there with the age and everything. Uh, you know, he's not 28, 29 anymore, anything like that. But, uh, just Powell, him being in the playoffs and having those rings, I think he could benefit, uh, with just having veteran leadership and with, uh, Aldridge, uh, not stepping up saying, Hey guys, feed me the rock a little bit. I can, uh, Put some points uh, on the board, help us out. But uh just would like to see just a little bit more production uh from him uh with San Antonio. So hopefully he can get it uh together as well. Yeah, right. well with Alders, just don't get pushed around by a team that runs a fast break offense. But... Yeah. And don't get pushed around by a team that can't play defense. Yeah. <laughs> he was a he was a minus thirty six. That's all Oh god. I could go out there and be a minus 36. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's bad. Wow. But all right, guys. Uh, up next, uh, last but not least, uh, we're going to get into the Jazz and Golden State. Um, thoughts about this series. Can the Jazz do anything with Golden State this series? <clears throat> In my opinion, I thought that first game was a little closer than I thought it would be. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, I thought. The Jazz played very well offensively. Uh, I don't think they played bad defensively. I think it's just the fact that Gold State can do so much from so many different areas of the game. Uh, Gold State is the better team. I'm just, I'm not going to try and mask that at all. And it's true. I expect this series to be done fairly quick, uh, probably five. But, you know, I think this is a really good opportunity for everyone who likes to watch the NBA to get a good look at Utah. If they can keep Gordon Hayward, they could be scary. Uh, yeah. They they can be a, a really good team. Um, I really like Gobert. I like, I like Gordon Hayward. I like uh, George Hill. I think they have some real solid pieces. Um, I just don't know that they're ready for Golden State yet. And I'm not... I'm not saying they can't play them tough. I'm not saying they can't squeak one out. I'm not saying they can't look really good at times. Uh, I just don't know that they can hang with them for a series. So I actually really, really like seeing the Jazz play Golden State because it kind of shows you where they match up in the West. <clears throat> and I think Hayward's going to be the key for their success over the next handful of years. And I would love to see him stay to build up that team because I really like the direction they're heading. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I just with uh, real quick, you know, you mentioned uh, Hayward, but another guy from my X Factor for this uh, series is uh, Goldberg. I think he's really going to oh, yeah? step up the boards and uh, defense against Golden State for them to really have a chance. So, uh, well, anyway. yeah, he's going to have to stop trying to step out the guard, Steph Curry. I'll tell yeah. you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it yeah. loses him more laps than any factor. I'm surprised he didn't get dizzy all that spinning around. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I saw this game. This is one of those ones where this was, this one looked like it was probably the missed opportunity for Utah to, mm-hmm. to get a game. Uh, Golden State didn't shoot well from the outside as a team. They only shot 24%. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steph was, uh, 
He was one for four. Clay was three for eight. Uh, Durant only shot two. He made one of them. And then Draymond was two for five. Those were probably their two best shooters. Uh, Iggy was 0 for six from three, two for eight overall. Uh, and so this, I felt like this was one where they probably should have yeah, been able to, yeah, just based on Golden State not being able to play their normal game and, but they still got outworked and, mm-hmm. you know, lost by double digits. Uh, if anything, this seems like this would be a game that Golden State won by like one to three points shooting that bad, but they still got a double digit victory. So I'm a little nervous to see what it'll be like if Golden State is shooting at their normal 35 to 40% from three as a team. Yeah. Uh, it might get ugly. Uh, but I mean, we'll see. Uh, but just, just seeing Golden State not really play that good of a game and it, it still be a comfortable victory for them. That, that makes me question the series, uh, really how, how far would it go? Yeah. You know, I, I, for me, it's very hard to stand around and call Golden State underrated, but I think their hustle is very underrated. They hustle hard. Uh, and I, and I think Draymond Green has a lot to do with that. He pumps those guys up. He, he's their energizer <laughs> bunny. But, you know, you really saw it in the first round against Portland where they would, you know, go down, drain a three, come back on defense, get a steal or a big block, and then go down and drain another three. I mean, they, I'm not saying dive for loose ball hustle, but they play defense, they play with energy, they, they fight for every basket they get. Uh, and I think as a team that shoots the three a lot and shoots it very well, we kind of, view them as oh they just like to you know just shoot the three and that's how they beat teams it's like nah not really they beat teams with hustle they beat teams with defense believe it or not it just happens that they can outscore them by 40 points too yeah 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 Golden State's one of the best defensive teams in the league I don't know and and I and I think that that's one area where they're oh maybe not underrated I don't know if that's the right word but definitely overlooked is not a lot of people look at their at their determination, their heart, their hustle. Um, and that was something I saw very evident in that Portland series, even though it wasn't sweet. Um, and, and it's one of those things, like, I'd seen it before, but it's kind of like I forgot about it. And and I think that that's, you know, one of the main reasons they've been to back-to-back finals. Now, how do you guys, we've only seen one game, but how do you feel about this? Do you think this would be a sweep? Do you think the Jazz would be able to get one or two or... How do you feel about the series? I think the odds would be with the Golden State sweep. I think that's the odds. But uh, I would like to see it go five, just because I would like to see the Jazz win one at home. Uh, maybe give Gordon Hayward a taste of what it could be like to win the playoffs at home against a good team. Yeah. Uh, for the sake of him staying, I want to see the Jazz win one. Uh, but I don't think the odds are there. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say at best the Jazz get one at home, but like I just said with my uh, thesis beforehand, I, I don't think it looks good unless they get uh, another bad shooting night out of Golden State in Utah where they'll be more comfortable. Yeah. I'm going to go with five. I think that uh, the Jazz will be able to get a win against so at home. So. Either way, man, what these teams have been able to do this year, uh, very surprised about the Jazz's overall performance. Uh, 
really shocked at what this team was able to do this year. I definitely had them off the radar. <clears throat> All right, guys, do you have uh, anything else to add uh, for NBA, NFL, NCAA football, or whatever? Should we just fast forward to a uh, back-to-back-to-back NBA Finals with appearances? <laughs> Looking like it. Yeah. yeah. So I have to see, man. But yeah, these, uh, you know, Cleveland stepping up, Golden State's being Golden State. So. Yeah. Just have to see. Yeah. Yeah, man. Also, man, just for me, man, I wish, uh, Brandon Roy's speedy recovery, man. I don't know if y'all heard yeah. news on him, but. Yeah. Yeah. Big yeah that was crazy. crazy. Uh, you know, he got shot, uh, covering up some kids. I guess somebody did a drive by or something near his house, but. I was reading that today. I was like, dang. So, uh, yeah, I'm speedy recovery, man. So, but that's about it, guys. Uh, like I say, yeah, you guys have anything else? Yeah. All right, Pretty guys. Good. Yeah, okay. Uh, all right, guys, as always, I appreciate you guys for tuning in to the show. Uh, you can find us on t- Twitter at DKM underscore cast. You can also find us podcast on websites such as iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, SoundCloud. Just hit us up in that search. And as always, appreciate y'all tuning in. Y'all take care. Peace.